0: speaking first be, it doesn't, who cares I'm, don't do this no Corp. I am I'm done with this this is not okay this is not how you're gonna treat me you shouldn't be trying to talk to me that way I am older than you and I know more than you, than you do guys than you. stop yeah we decided to use that intro again because it was just so fun no uh, it is difficult to hear But that's the way we conduct ourselves Um, all too often in our society. We live in a society that is easily offended and we hang on to offense. And that's why we're doing this series that we've entitled, No Offense. And the idea is, what if Christians, what if at a time when everybody's offended about everything, what if there were people in our midst that said, you know what, I'm going to lay down my right to be offended and I'm going to live like Jesus. I mean, that's the idea behind this series and it's the idea behind what the Bible teaches because to take offense means this. It's in your outline here. It means to become angry or upset by something another person says or does. Has anybody had someone do something or post something online that made you angry or upset when you saw it this last week? Has anybody had that happen to you? Okay, man, the rest of you all live in a really wonderful place. I don't know where the rest of you live. Okay, with me, that is every day I can find something that will offend me. If it's not on the news, then it's in my neighborhood. If it's not in my neighborhood, it's at work. If it's not at work, it's the guy who cut me off in traffic. Okay, I mean, this happens. It's going to happen. In fact, one of the things we need to remember is that we live in a fallen world with sinful people who will offend us. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> and the whole trick today, what I want to talk to you about, is how we don't become more like those people, how we become more like Jesus. But I just want to remind us that Jesus himself said, God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Okay, well, if I follow Jesus, people are going to offend me because Jesus offends people who want to live for themselves. So today when we talk about how not to be offensive to people, we're not talking about that kind of offense. That kind of offense is the offense we want to be. I'm talking about all the other offenses that are due to John Schmidt just being a jerk because I didn't get enough sleep or because I'm irritated or because I have righteous anger. John is righteous anger, okay? I mean, I told my wife when we got married, I only want one thing, my own way. That's it. It's the only thing I want. She didn't buy that. Anyway, the idea is Is that, look, you and I can choose to take offense and hold on to it, or we can let it go. We can. In our society today, we've said we're gonna take it and we're gonna hold on to it. And we're gonna post about it and we're gonna stir up as many other people as we can. And when they disagree with us, we're gonna ratchet it up to another level and then it's gonna go higher and higher and higher. And pretty soon we're not talking to anybody. But we're gonna stay offended. Well, that's not how Jesus wants us to live. That is not the righteous life that God desires. So in the scripture it says this, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. And a person with good sense is patient. And it's to his credit if he overlooks an offense. Well, it's to his credit because that's not our nature. I mean, I, I want to be offended. I like being right. And if I'm offended, then that proves that I'm better than you. I mean, it's related to pride. If I stay offended, then it proves that you're a rotten person and I'm a good person. Because good people are offended by rotten people like you. Problem is, you could do the same thing to me because we all sin. And that's why if we're going to follow Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, you got to lay that down. And so today we're going to talk about three important things we can do to keep ourselves from being offensive. Again, not because we follow Jesus. We get, uh, by the way, 1 Peter 2.20, you can write that in the margin. Peter says, if you're punished, if you suffer for doing good, God will bless you. If you suffer, doing, if you suffer for doing bad, well, that's on you. That's the John Schmidt translation, but that's pretty accurate. Now, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting rid of all the selfish stuff in there. Because one other verse that I'd remind you of is in uh, the book of Hebrews, and it's uh, in Hebrews twelve fifteen, and it simply says this: Beware! Don't let a root of bitterness get planted in your soul, because it'll grow up, and it bring it's brought great pain and destruction to many. Bitterness. Man, I meet people that are just bitter. There's times in my life when I've hung on to a grudge, when I've hung on to an offense. And every time I see that person, every time I think of it, I could be having a great day, and everything beyond that thought turns dark. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's not the way God wants us to live. Today we're going to talk about three ways that we can be people who don't live offended lives going around offending others. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, if people are offended because we follow you, well, then you'll reward us for that. But if people are offended because we go around ratcheting things up, well, that's just going to make our lives miserable, and you warn us not to do that. So today, Lord, I pray that we'll understand what your scripture is teaching. I don't want to be offensive to others. Lord, in fact, I want to get out of the crazy cycle. Where somebody offends me and I offend them back and then they offend me and I offend them back and we just keep ratcheting it higher and higher and higher. And that's the world in which we live. Lord, we are a few weeks away from an election here and there are a lot of things said about politics. People saying horrible, hateful things to family members and friends. Calling names, using all kinds of filthy language and it should not be. God, it must not be for us. So today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and remind us what your scripture says about people, being people who aren't offensive in ourselves. If we're offensive, then we're offensive because we're like Jesus. Pray these things in the name of Christ. Make them clear to us. Amen. First thing I'd remind us of is that we can choose to surrender control of our lives. We can choose to surrender control of our lives to the Holy Spirit every day. And I put in parentheses every hour because sometimes we have to surrender more than once. When I go through life, I'm going to be offended. When I wake up in the morning, I know starting out. Look, I know we're at an early service here on a Sunday morning. By the end of Sunday, most of by the end of today, most of us will be offended. Could happen when you're pulling out of the parking lot here today. Could happen when you're checking out at a grocery store. Could happen when you have a conversation with your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law? Man, that was offensive. And so something that somebody's going to say or do is going to offend me today, more than likely, and I can surrender that. I can surrender it in advance, and I can surrender it as we go along. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians 5. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, the sinful nature, it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, well, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition... Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Wow, that's a laundry list. And it's not even exhaustive. just means I do what I want to do, deal with it. I'm getting what I need. I'm taking what I want. I don't care about you. That's the sinful nature. And when other people do that to us, it's terribly offensive. Guess how they feel when we do it to them? Terribly offended. Mm. So he says, Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't about praying some magic prayer where you live like the devil your whole life and seek your own desires, and then because you've said some magic words, you go to heaven when you die. Now, that's not what the kingdom of God's about. The kingdom of God is surrendering our lives to the king. God, that he's sovereign. I've surrendered control of my life to him. I've confessed that I'm a sinner and my desires are most of the time, if not virtually all the time, always tainted with things that are selfish. I don't even understand my own motivations sometimes, how selfish they are. When I surrender my life to him, well, then the Holy Spirit can... Take control and change me from the inside out. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And this is terribly important. Somewhere, there has to be a place of surrender. And it could come at the end of my life, of course. But if I realize that now, why would I want to wait? And why would I wait? The sooner I surrender, the more I experience love and joy and peace instead of anger, dissension, quarreling, jealousy, and rage. Why would I want to have a whole life of that now? I can get rid of all that now. And it's important for us to understand that when we come to Christ, that God is accomplishing something in us and that we're in process. In fact, we're all sinners who have been redeemed by Jesus, who are in the process of being transformed into his likeness a little more every day. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say Amen. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're in process. You're in process. Yeah, some of you don't believe it. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know about you. Okay, glad I am. This process is slow, but it's like watching a baby grow. They develop a little bit every day. You and I are in process. And when Paul was talking about there, he said there's a struggle going on where when we surrender our heart to Christ, The Lord said that he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who would be in us, and the Holy Spirit is working in us. And the way he works is every day, every hour, every week, every month, he will bring to mind things we need to surrender. Our temper, our tongue, bad relationships, fears, guilt, shame, worry. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about here? And it's a progressive work. And so some of the things you used to struggle with 10 years ago, you don't struggle with anymore. There are other things he's working on today. And so as we progress through this life, we become a little bit less like who we were 10 years ago and a little bit more like Jesus every day. Now, this is a wonderful promise, and it's why when you meet some people that you haven't seen in 10 years who came to Christ, they might have been a violent, cussing, yelling, drug-addicted, whatever, And you meet them now, and they're completely different. They might have been completely obsessed with money or vanity or who knows what. And yet now you meet them 15 years later, and they're the kindest, nicest people you've ever met. I once met a friend in Dallas at the airport. We were changing planes. We met each other in a concourse there a few years back. And we, were both studied, we both studied engineering at Kansas State and we'd been drinking buddies and some other things like this and we'd lost touch. And we met and just talked for a few minutes. I asked him what he was doing and he was working for a very successful architectural engineering firm. And then he asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. And he fell out laughing. <laughs> that should make you feel good. Anyway, um, <laughs> he goes, no, seriously, what do you really do? I'm in process. (laughs) So are you. I mean, he couldn't believe it. And after we talked for a while, he goes, wow, you really are different. Jesus changed me. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Can you read this out loud with me, please? And we all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. You're being transformed to look like Jesus every day a little bit more. God knew his people in advance. That was 2 Corinthians 3.18. Here's Romans 8. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's why we're still here. Or one of the reasons we're still here is because God is working on us. It's not because there's some delay in the processing getting us into heaven. He's working on us here, changing us a little bit more every day, polishing us, making us brighter so that we all look like Jesus' brothers and sisters. Somebody talked to me recently, and they saw one of my sons somewhere, and they said, I could tell he was one of your sons by the way he walked. Apparently, John Schmidt has a gait, okay, like I have a way I walk. And apparently my sons walked that way, and I didn't know that. They could tell that my sons had grown up around me because they walked the same way I do. And I'm not going to demonstrate it for you now because I'm self-conscious, okay? (laughs) But isn't that something? They could tell my sons by the way they walked. They could tell they'd been around me. People are going to be able to tell you've been around Jesus every time we surrender our little bit more to him. Hey, here's a prayer that I pray every day, by the way, that helps me surrender it. I just call it a um, letting go prayer. And I got this at a prayer conference um, a year and a half ago, and I've adapted it to something. This is something I pray now virtually every day. Just listen to this. Lord, I realize the hurtful things that people say and do are more than I can bear. So please cleanse me of any anger, impatience, sadness, or despair that I've picked up. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Replace them with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Please give me the desire and the power to let go of things that offend me. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to post that to the website. But I went over this outline with somebody the other day and I told them that prayer and they said, well, you ought to share that prayer. I don't pray anything like that. If I'm not going to go around returning offense to people, offending people, then I need to Surrender. And that's just a prayer of surrender every day. I know I'm going to be offended. And so I can pray it in the morning before the day starts. I can pray it every hour or every time I'm offended. And I literally do sometimes. And sometimes I have to go pray it because it's not because somebody's offended me. It's because I've met with somebody who's deeply offended. Now I'm offended on their behalf. My heart breaks for them. I go, Lord, you got to help me with this. It's important also, not only that we surrender to the Holy Spirit every day, we can also choose to repay offenses with kindness. We're starting with surrendering to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases God. And that's gonna be impossible to do. Repaying kindness is gonna be, uh, to, for offense, is gonna be impossible to do without his power. Proverbs 15, one, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, if we could remember this. Somebody posted angry words to me. I think I'm going to respond right now and let them have it. That's a bad idea. It's going to escalate. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, dear friends. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay him back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I mean, when we talk about offense, people have told me, well, Jesus got angry. He drove people out of the temple with a whip. Well, of course he did. And they were turning the temple into a, a den of thieves instead of a place of prayer. He was angry. So I can get angry too. Well, this is where we need to be really careful. I mean, Jesus could always have the right motives. We've talked about this a minute ago. I'm not sure about mine all the time. That's why I have to be terribly careful about acting out in righteous anger. Because my indignation a lot of times has some twisted motives in it. In the discussion questions for our connect groups this week, I put a quote from Martin Luther King. In fact, if you're looking at a paper outline here, it's right directly across the page. from. It's under the question two there. In 1955, during the bus boycott uh, here in Montgomery, um, a lot of people were missing work. A lot of employers weren't getting work done, and so... Martin Luther King Jr. and some others met with city leaders, and they were trying to figure out how to end the bus boycott, and words that were not kind were said to him. Listen to what he said after one of these negotiations. That Monday, I went home with a heavy heart. I was weighed down by a terrible sense of guilt, remembering that on two or three occasions I'd allowed myself to become angry and indignant. I'd spoken hastily and resentfully, yet I knew this was no way to solve a problem. You must not harbor anger, I admonish myself. You must be willing to suffer the anger of the opponent, and yet not return anger. You must not become bitter. No matter how emotional your opponents are, you must be calm." Man. The reason so much change was brought about, the reason we honor Martin Luther King Jr. to this day, because of that, that was informed by his Christian faith. I mean, exactly what Paul said in Romans 12. He put that into practice when people were saying horrible, hateful things about him. And the next year after he wrote that, that's when they bombed his house. while his wife and his children were in the house. His opponents were that angry at him. And he still clung to his belief, to his dying day. We cannot repay anger with more anger. That's why we're talking about not taking offense. There are things that are going to make you angry this week. I've got to choose to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Then through the power of the Holy Spirit, I need to choose to repay evil with kindness. And it's important to note here that grace is not for people who deserve it. The definition of grace is undeserved kindness. Well, I'll show them grace when they shape up, and then you don't understand grace. I'll give them something to drink when they're not thirsty. Mm, mm. No thanks. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And would you read the last phrase out loud with me, please? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's the reason why we need grace. I need grace from Jesus. And Jesus said, well, just pass it on. You need grace too. Not because you deserve it. I'm going to be participating in a funeral service this afternoon for a wonderful man who passed away. He was part of our congregation. Passed away at 88. Loved the Lord. He's in the arms of Jesus. And I love reminding people that he's safe in the arms of Jesus and an old body that won't work anymore is replaced with a brand new one. I also love reminding people that even though he was a great guy, that's not the reason he's in the arms of Jesus. He's in the arms of Jesus because Jesus forgave his sins because of God's amazing grace. You, don't, you and I don't have to worry about whether we're not good enough to get into heaven. We already answered that. We're not. You're not. Neither am I. Jesus is. And because he paid the penalty for our sins... We don't have to worry about that anymore because he promised us the Holy Spirit. He's working on us every day. If I want to go around being different, not being offended and not being offensive, I need to surrender every day. After I surrender, then I ask God to give me the strength to repay evil with kindness. And thirdly, and this is the hardest one of all, these are gradual, these are big steps moving forward and trusting God. Thirdly, you and I can choose to pray for people who offend us, asking God to bless them. Now, this is level three like surrender. This is the person who just cussed you out. This is an ex husband or an ex wife who treated you terribly. This is a boss who is mean and spiteful. This is a neighbor who doesn't listen to anything you say, plays their music too loud, doesn't consider your feelings at all, and seems to even enjoy making you mad. That's what we're talking about. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and in that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Jesus came to earth to save vile, rotten sinners like you and me while we were still in rebellion against him. Jesus prayed for the people that were nailing him to the cross. Jesus prayed for you and me. Jesus prayed for people who would sin again and again and again. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And this is one of the things when people ask me all the time, hey, how do I grow in my Christian life? I feel like I'm kind of stuck. And I go, well, here's one thing that will kind of pry the door open a little bit for God to stretch you. Let's pray for somebody who offends you, and that is always met with silence. Well, I'll pray that God will smite them. and It's like, no, no smiting prayers here today. We're praying blessing prayers. Okay, well, God bless them. Kind of like when somebody sneezes, God bless you. That's not what we're talking about. You and I are going to pray a prayer of blessing. This is going to require, likely involve research and asking God to stretch our capacity to love people who aren't loving us. By research, I mean thinking about and identifying something they actually need. Somebody who offends you, you do a little research and you find out that they're in the middle of chemotherapy and they're in constant pain. You do a little research and you find out that they had an adult child who died six months ago. You do a little research and you find out that they lost their business because of COVID. You do a little research and, oh. So you're saying it doesn't matter what they did to me? No, I'm saying it matters completely. I'm just saying now we're praying a prayer of blessing and letting go of the anger so that I can deal with the offense with the proper perspective, with Jesus' perspective. That he loves that person as much as he loves me. And if I'm willing to let go of my anger and pray a prayer of love for that person, well, then I don't even know what the potential is because then it stretches my heart. I want more Holy Spirit in me, John. Well, I do too. And every time I pray that God will give me more of his Holy Spirit, seemingly within the next day or two, I'm reminded of people I need to pray a blessing for that I don't want to do that. It's not that God doesn't have love. He's the source of love. He's got all the love in the world. I've just got a little bitty capacity in my heart. Man, you pray a prayer of blessing for people you don't love, it stretches that wide open, and all of a sudden now I can experience love like I've never experienced. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, Paul wrote. This is 2 Corinthians 5 for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ. This is that whole business there. If I'm an ambassador for Christ, If I was an ambassador to another country, I'd have to do some research and find out what the people think about things. If I'm going to represent the United States of America in another country, I need to know, what do they deal with? What do they think about things? I wouldn't just go around being angry that I can't understand them, They're doing everything wrong. I mean, you'd be a terrible ambassador. Well, sometimes we can be terrible ambassadors. Jesus forgave me of all my sins, jerk. I mean, how does that work? God has shown me all of his wonderful love, you idiot. I mean, it just doesn't work. And yet we will say those things and repost those things. Mm. So To wrap up our service today, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. For the people worshiping with us online, you can go to our website, centeringlives.com, slash media, and you'll find uh, Debbie and I will guide you through that. But for us here, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he showed us grace. Because he did that, we can walk into the throne room of heaven, boldly asking for more grace. And because the Holy Spirit is in our hearts now, He's going to change us and make it possible for us to be better ambassadors. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come up here and uh, I'm going to lead us through all this. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and we ask the Lord that you would bless us as we do. We pray, Father, that you would um, challenge us. Lord, as we surrender our hearts to you today, we just ask that you would come in and move mightily. Lord, we thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That he showed us grace when we didn't deserve it. Lord, we're asking now that you would do amazing things through us so we would show others grace when they don't deserve it. Lord, as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup today, Lord, remind us what we're celebrating. And Lord, because you cleansed us, the Holy Spirit Now it can come in. And so, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to move in us even as we take this meal together. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.